thank you for joining us for this special edition of Trends Talk, and thank you for joining us for the Barnes Denig uh, webinar. That was a lot of fun to be able to step in for Alan. Really appreciate you letting me substitute for him. And there were nine questions we didn't get to um, during the webinar, during the Q&A period. So we're going to answer them now, as promised. Number one question, uh, China has a lot of internal consumer growth yet to come, even with declining young people. Doesn't that goose up China's GDP compared to US? Uh, I understand where the question is coming from, but I'm not convinced that it does um, for two reasons. One, it's not a, um, always a question of numbers, but uh, marginal propensity to consume. Um, ability, the means to uh, consume everything you want, and how much debt can they take on. So I, I really get where the question is coming from, but when you're losing 100 million working age people every 15 years, that's, that has to be impacting how fast your consumer class is going to be able to grow. By definition, that's what we're talking about, is the consumer class here at 100 million every 15 years going away. Um, so, no, it won't goose it relative to the U.S. Um, I'll still take our chances over China's in terms of uh, being the dominant world uh, economy. Um, we'll see. Next question. There are 12 million people in the events and trade show industry still unemployed. $1.3 trillion has been taken out of the economy. Any thoughts about that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, and uh, obviously for all the folks in the events and trade show industry, it has been, it's been the most difficult time. I mean, they've been acutely hard hit by COVID-19. I just want to caution you a little bit about the, um, the 12 million. That's probably a statistic that has become outdated. Uh, because the latest data shows that for the entire United States, spanning all industries, uh, there's 10.6 million people unemployed. And of that, 6 million were unemployed before COVID struck. So on the margin, there's 4.2 million people un unemployed, again, across the country, spanning all industries. That doesn't minimize the pain that the people are experiencing. This is one of the reasons why we have that ramping up taking into 2022 before GDP real growth resumes is because there are lagging sectors. How soon will we be going back to uh, trade shows? You know, it, it, when the ones where there were actual um, booths and trade shows, big events, they're likely to come back faster than the uh, smaller events. But even at that, it's going to likely be 2022 before we get anything like normal traction because we're going to need to have the vaccine available. We're going to need to feel confident uh, getting on airplanes again. Uh, it's going to take a while to ramp back up and it probably won't be until 2023 before there's widespread relief in that particular space. How will the US dollar exchange to the euro and Chinese currency, the yuan, uh, change in 2021. I don't know that it's going to change relative to the euro. That's a fairly 
uh, early on shift. And these trends tend to last in a certain direction for X amount of time. And you always look at the circumstances, but USD versus the Euro, I don't think you're gonna see a change from what you've seen over the last couple of months. I think that is the trend that will dominate most of 2021. You know, in terms of the Chinese currency, we were at uh, 7.16 yuan to the dollar uh, in August of 2019. And as of October, so last month, where it was down to 6.69 yuan to the dollar. We're beginning to plumb some very low debts there. Back in 2015, it got as low as 6.2 to the USD. So there is room to go there. Um, but when I looked at the rate of change in anticipation of uh, or preparing to answer this question, it looked to me like it was beginning to form a low. So that tells me all things being equal, including all the symptoms within our economies, uh, we're likely to see a shift in direction in 2021 for the Chinese currency. Next question. Are you still predicting 2029-2030 depression? Yes, we are. Uh, we haven't had any reason to change the timeline on that. Um, we've asked ourselves that question a lot because of the sheer size of the deficit, um, because of Social Security, the whole mix. Um, but our answer comes back, it still looks most likely to be in 29, 2030. Um, remember, that's far enough out. You don't want to get dogmatic about the dates, but that's where our numbers, our theories say that you have this uh, nexus of uh, trends that spell trouble for us. Um, who is China in debt to? China's in debt to the usual players. Uh, they float bonds um, as a government. They also float bonds as private companies. Um, State-owned enterprises float bonds, but the government usually buys those. Individuals are in debt in China, mortgage debt, et cetera. Uh, there's also trade debt that gets carried all the time by the trading companies, and it's a pretty long, long list. Uh, the answer becomes more difficult, though, when you think about the lack of opaqueness in the Chinese economy, or the transparency, rather, and it's very opaque. Um, Following the debt trail in China is significantly harder than just about any other country, at least the Western countries. Who are they in debt to? It, here's the, it, from our perspective, the, the, the crux of the issue is that the provincial and local governments and the state-owned enterprises are getting propped up by the communist government that oversees all of China. And they are lending money to those smaller entities so that they can keep on keeping on and people can continue to have jobs and be happy. China can't continue to create fiat currency like that out of thin air. So part of the debt is these smaller entities, these SOEs and the provinces owe the money to the government. You can argue that, well, that's just one part of government owing it to another like we do here in the United States and you would be exactly right except we're going to reach a point logically where in the United States and in China when you owe so much money to yourself you come to the point where you either forgive your own debt which creates significant inflation and credit risk or you have to figure out a way you're going to be paying it back which is a net drag on your economy.
That's going to be true of the United States and it's going to be true of China also. Will work from home remain a big part of our economy and bend the demand curve for commercial real estate? Uh, in our opinion, it, um, that whole work from home trend was accelerated by COVID. It was obviously already well in place before COVID, but it's been accelerated. And the latest data shows that it's beginning to wane a little bit as people are going back into the office. And there's a wide variety of needs for people to go back in the office. Sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's you need the physical person there. But the de-urbanization function continues to go on from what we can see. And we don't know whether it's gonna go on another two years or whether that also is a longer lasting trend. Will it have implications for commercial real estate? Oh yeah. Uh, you're going to see implications on commercial real estate in terms of office space. Um, that looks like it's in a very tough way for at least the next two years. Our re traditional retail space, we saw an accelerated shift toward e-commerce that is going to make it very difficult in retail space. But again, it all boils down to the geography that we're talking about. We would have a different conversation if this was, we're talking about Dallas, Texas, as opposed to Chicago, Illinois. Two different demographics, two different economies. Um, real estate at the end of the day is always local, I, they tell me. And where can we get more information on the Federal Reserve for the layperson? My suggestion is you go to, and this is all one word, federalreserveeducation.org, federalreserveeducation.org. They uh, break it down really nicely into different mediums, different aspects of the Fed, and um, I think you're gonna like it. What's your perspective on the national debt and deficit? Our perspective on that is that um, we can continue to carry this increased debt as long as the world is willing to lend us the money. Uh, right now, they seem perfectly content to lend us the money, and that's, Good news and bad news. I mean, the good news is we need them to. The bad news is we're not learning to get off this treadmill. We're getting that to like it more and more. And if there are no consequences to the huge surge in our national debt, which is now 135.6% of our GDP, an all-time record high, um, maybe we're going to do it again. And again, that creates a very real moral hazard. And eventually, uh, because we're fiscally conservative at ITR economics, so we're that brand of economics, we think there has to be a price to pay. You has to pay the band eventually. But in the meantime, MMT, modern monetary theory, or magic money tree thinking is uh, found to become more prevalent and likely exacerbating the situation. What does U.S. corporate profit growth look like now? Well, right now, because of COVID, it looks awful. And uh, that has taken a big dive from a plateau that's been in place. Actually, a plateau is a little generous. It hasn't been quite as good as a plateau in corporate profitability between 2012 and the end of 2019. We're delving into why that is. Corporate profitability should be rebounding back toward that 2019 level or maybe even exceeding it. Uh, we hope it'd be exceeding it as we go through this recovery. But that is, again, we're talking about 2022, 2023 before profitability comes all the way back. And in the meantime, we have the stock market that has been reaching for the sky. That is a dangerous relationship and one that uh, 
we should be thinking about as we contemplate our investments and how we want to structure our investments. I argue one of the best investments you can make is in yourselves because you can control that destiny a whole lot better than most others. That's the nine questions, the nine answers. And again, my sincere thanks to you for joining us at the webinar and my sincere thanks to Barnes Denig for letting me um, participate in the event in lieu of Allen. Very much appreciate you and look forward to next time. Thanks.